0: I am Dr. Amy Keene, otherwise known as Dr. Amy, and this podcast is The Most Important Medicine. If you don't know me, I'm a psychologist, trainer, and consultant, and we're here to discuss how talking about trauma and providing a space for physicians and their patients to share experiences is how we will transform medicine. I work with physicians on the daily, and every time we have conversations, and I even hint at the discussion of trauma, I met with two things, either intense, compassionate curiosity, or a whole lot of skepticism. And that's what we're here for, to make understanding and discussing trauma accessible, and even more important, how to respond to trauma so you feel competent as a provider. Every time you join me, I want you to hear practical information and leave leave with tangible tools that you can use with your patients today. And today I'm talking to a special guest, Dr. Guy McPherson. Uh, Dr. McPherson is a clinical psychologist and the host of the well-known podcast, The Trauma Therapist Podcast. He also has a membership called Trauma Therapist 2.0, which we will talk about later, um, but let's just say he brings together resources for clinicians and therapists of all kinds who are starting out on their trauma-informed journey. Welcome, Guy.
1: Thank you very much. Um, excited to be here, honored to be here, and uh, I just want to make one correction. I am not a clinical psychologist. Okay. I do have a doctorate in clinical psychology, I was seeing clients for a while, but, uh, I'm no longer, Okay. I don't want to say just just a podcast host.
0: Oh, well, (laughs) I appreciate the correction. And you're not just a podcast host. I mean, there's so much valuable information that's going out there. Really. You're an educator for all now.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. Okay. So that's your formal introduction. Um, why don't you just tell people a little bit more about yourself and what you do now? Yeah. Just, just podcasting. Yeah. So, you
1: know, man, I I was uh, working in a clinic in Northern California and we were uh, assessing and treating young, young kids who were showing early signs of psychosis. Amazing experience for me. And it was in that uh, setting and that dynamic and position that I really came to see h- not only how prevalent trauma was and how uh kind of unnoticed it was going with therapists with certainly parents and teachers but um how it need the word needed to get out people weren't realizing, I mean, you kind of hinted that, at it in your, in your intro, when you said you're you met with skepticism and that just blew me away. And, you know, and that's kind of when I said to myself, literally, I need to help get the word. I want to help get the word out. And I wanted to help inspire and hopefully educate and hopefully inspire other newer clinicians who wanted to get into trauma. And that's, that's when I decided to uh, move out of that shift out of that, start my own business with the podcast at the helm. And that was it. That was the impetus for me, for me doing this. And um, yeah,
0: that's, that's wonderful. And, you know, um, that's actually how I met you. So I was listening to your podcast um, to a couple of, if you haven't had a chance yet to listen to Guy's podcast, it's really incredible. And I'll link to it in the show notes here. But um, really, I was listening to your podcast and you had a little intro for therapists who might want to do their own podcast. And I was like, hey, this guy is speaking to me. So um, I had been really encouraged to do a podcast, um, especially in the area of medicine, and get the word out about what trauma is and what it looks like. So um, let me back up for a minute because you interview. Just thousands of people. Um, can you start for me with your definition of trauma?
1: <laughs> right? I knew I had a feeling you were gonna ask yeah. me about this question. And it's it's a really interesting question because um, as you know, a lot of people have a lot of different definitions of it uh, you know, it, along the spectrum. But for me, really, it is something, an event, series of events, that uh i believe uh, in in defining it really completely disrupts the nervous system mm-hmm. um you know and some people will say well it's something that you can't handle or it's any kind of stress and i guess for me i i move I'm more on the other end of the the other end of the spectrum where there really is a uh, flooding and overwhelm to the nervous system. I mean, let's face it, neurobiolo- neurobiologically, there are shifts in the brain. I mean, things happen such that healing has to take on a very different path and journey. So that's kind of how I, I define it. Um, and again, you know, this can be interpersonal trauma, this can be. Uh, that, that goes over an extended period of time, abuse, as well as singular events. And the thing that got me, Amy is, you know, when I was younger, I was, I was bullied and I didn't realize how much that impacted me, how Mm -hmm. it really, uh, impacted the trajectory of my life, my self-esteem, my, uh, uh, confidence. And when I was in that clinic that I referred to earlier and, and speaking with parents, and we we would go through this um, uh, questionnaire when we would do these, we would get these calls, for referral calls from potential clients, either that was from their parents, sometimes the actual kid, oftentimes from their teacher. And we would go through this list of questions. And I love doing this because you had to find out what's going on. And 99.9% of the time there was trauma Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and, and not a lot of therapists and a lot of, certainly a lot of parents would be, well, okay. But they weren't in the room when the domestic violence was happening or they weren't in the room when so-and-so shot the gun, you know, all of this stuff that just really blew me away and and you know 2 weeks later when the kid would come in and sit in the waiting room it would be this little kid just reading a book or holding their stuffed animal this little you know this normal looking kid who had all this crazy stuff happen to them anyway no i mean yeah
0: so you can imagine for a lot of my audience who are physicians and other healthcare providers thinking about you want me to talk about what you want me to do. You, did you want me to talk about that domestic violence, that the, the gunshot that they heard, whether it's like you said, an acute episode or long-term trauma, that's pretty scary for them. Right. What would you say about that fear of talking about trauma with patients or clients?
1: Well, I think, uh, I mean, for, if I may, for me, Uh, depending on who we're talking to, but uh, before the fear, there's almost an ignorance of what trauma is and what trauma could be. And I think it's important to put it out there that what could be traumatizing for one person certainly isn't going to be traumatizing to someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, Bullying is a great example, but for, a lot of let's say we're talking to other clinicians here um oftentimes fear comes up because for a couple of reasons one trauma let's say interpersonal violence is so freaking scary i mean it 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 i think ignites this uh core in our beings of really how awful
0: mm-hmm. humans can be.
1: And there's no, there's probably nothing more scary than that. I mean, we don't want to talk about it. Who wants to talk about it? Who wants to talk about this stuff? And I think even for me, when I went into graduate school, knowing that I wanted to study this, I even had a fear my, myself of... And my fear was of like talking to kids and hearing what they might say, you know, the possible crazy stories that to me just freaked me out. Now the, the, you you
0: were signing up to do it
1: and I was signing up to do it. Right. And I was signing up to do it. Now the, there's another thing here. And that is um, the fear of, what it brings up in us, yes, you know, and, and can we take that? Can we sit with that? Can we not just try to talk it away or therapize it away or treat it away, Mm -hmm. but really oftentimes do what is most needed in that specific situation, which is to be a witness Mm -hmm. to that. And that requires of that clinician, a lot of things, a lot of, uh, exploration, a lot of, uh, uh, self-awareness that quite frankly, a lot of people don't want to do and haven't done.
0: Mm -hmm. So for, with my audience, right. Physicians, healthcare providers, they do get a little overwhelmed, like, talking about trauma because either they're not sure how to respond to the patient in the room, right. Who's sharing a story. Let's say the the parents of the child who's being bullied at school. Right. And you mentioned that it's, it's potentially changing this child's entire nervous system, how they feel about the world, how they feel about peers. What's, what's one thing you would say to that pediatrician or family practice doctor who's hearing that story for the first time.
1: Yeah. I think one of the things that's really important to understand is there's a lot of shame that comes with not only experiencing trauma, but uh, talking about it and sharing it with someone else. Um, The other thing is that there's, again, there's, there's often a tendency to, well, let me back up. I think a really important thing is how to open the door, how to Mm -hmm. allow space for that. Shame. Yeah. 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 What I, what I wanted to, what I wanted to say, and I think this is important is how to create space for people to, to share about it. And one of the things I think that um, is, is easy to get caught up in is Asking, you know, have you ever been traumatized? Mm-hmm. As opposed to um, have you ever been in a position where someone's done something to you that you didn't want to have happen? Have you ever felt unsafe? Yes. Can you talk about that? Because a lot of times people don't know what trauma is. Right. And they automatically think, well, no, I haven't been in war. I haven't been mm-hmm. raped. No, I haven't been traumatized. Mm-hmm. And what that does is that allows for people to speak about experiences that fit along the continuum, not just the most extreme thing. Um, but I think also when we hear this, um really i think the most one of the most important things here to do is to be be able to be a human being with that person and that doesn't necessarily and this is difficult when you're talking about a clinician or a therapist who's got all this education and all these degrees and you want to jump in there and you want to you know, do what's best and you want to help and you want to treat and you want to cure and all this other stuff. When in reality, and again, I'm generalizing here, people are different, but in in reality, people want to know that you are hearing them, that you can listen. Yeah, that you can take what they have to say. And that requires being able to uh, feel. And I'm not saying uh just recklessly and without boundaries self-disclose and and melt down and this but this is where the art of this comes in is being able to let that person know that not only are you hearing them but jesus you you went through this my god mm-hmm. you know how that to feel people do not need people want a human being they don't want to be met with uh, techniques and interventions and degrees and and therapizing, uh, and 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 that's not always easy because it's requiring the therapist or the clinician to have done their own work yeah. because it's not a matter of. When it's a matter of, it's not a matter of if, but when you will be triggered.
0: That's right. So, you said a couple of really important things I want to go back to real quick. One thing you said is you don't have to walk into a room and say, Have you been traumatized? What trauma have you experienced? You can ask an open ended question like, Have you experienced difficulty in your life recently? Have you ever witnessed something that felt overwhelming or scary? Um, When you lead with that kind of a question, what do you think it does for the person on the receiving end?
1: Well, it, it gives them the opportunity to, uh, interpret broadly, you know, it gives them the opportunity. People under people, people understand it's kind of a, a language and a universal language, right? Have you ever been scared? Mm-hmm. Have you ever felt even uncomfortable? Has there ever, has, has there been, been, or is there anyone in your life who you would say you don't feel comfortable with, or you don't feel, or you don't feel safe with, mm-hmm. we can understand this. And yet, but yet when you say, you know, have you been traumatized? A lot of kids don't know what that means. A lot of people, again, automatically assume it means one of one of two or three things.
0: So well, it, the other it, thing I love about this is that when you ask it like that, and you said, like, it gives them a broad range You're also really respecting that they know what feels overwhelming for their bodies and that you don't and that what felt scary to you, or if you would have defined trauma for them, it might not have fit. And then they might say, oh, I'm not traumatized then. But if you say, have you felt unsafe?
1: Right.
0: Now you're respecting their ability to know themselves.
1: Right. And, and again, too, it also brings the takes removes, it takes the conversation away from kind of a clinical conversation to just being interested in what this person's life is about. I love uh, and that. that.
0: That's important. I hope everybody who's listening is hearing that, right? It takes it away from just the clinical, right? Whether you're a physician who's talking to the patient, whether you're a nurse who's taking a history, whether you're an organization, right?
1: People are whole people, right? Right, and people when people feel comfortable, they their nervous system settles down, mm-hmm. and they're able to not just relax but think more clearly,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: is kind of the antithesis of what trauma does.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but but you know, I'll give you a personal example here. A couple months ago. I wanted to get back into my own therapy, so I reached out to my therapist. Unfortunately, she was no longer seeing clients. I was like, "Oh my man!" Yeah. So she gave me some referrals. I, I I talked to one person, and a really nice person, you know.
0: Sure.
1: But they led with these techniques and interventions, and I'm like, I don't can't connect with you. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I need I need a human being. Yeah. You know, and it, it's really interesting because whatever you whatever you are, whatever kind of clinician you are, most often people get into people get into these helping for professions because they want to help. They want to uh, uh, most times prevent others from experiencing similar pain right absolutely. that they've had. Mm-hmm. But what happens is with that is it, it oftentimes turns into uh, utilizing these interventions. Mm-hmm. And and look, you get into these fields and you go to school, you get all this training, you have mm-hmm. to. And oftentimes you come out chomping at the bit to use these Use all your techniques. Yeah. Right. Of course. <laughs> when in reality... It's it's oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes people who come into your office, it takes a lot of courage to come into your office. And most times people need to be heard, to be listened to, to be witnessed. Yes, with all you have to have that suitcase of interventions there. And knowing when to use them and integrate them, that's where the skill comes in. Mm -hmm. But to be able to to witness um, a a client, a patient, without rushing to fix or cure or treat is a very powerful uh, exchange. It's a very powerful relationship.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting because over and over and over again, what I hear is that one of the best things we can do in that time is listen, just provide a space. And in fact, I was talking to a, a physician um, earlier and he said, you know, sometimes all the other medicine that I need to do, the, the lab work, the, the blood work, the checking in, I'll just do that. He said, I can do all that in, in uh, online charting, but the, the being with in the in the clinical space, just listening is the most important work I do, and I I don't think that when you're in school that, that that's what gets taught, right? right? Just the being present.
1: And it's it's interesting because you know oftentimes when we talk about listening or being present, it's like we say you know just listen, or mm-hmm. but but there's so much behind that and. And the reason why it's it often is, is challenging again, because it really invites, and I want to even say forces demands of the clinician, of the therapist to define for themselves what is helping. Why did they get into this field to help? Okay, define what that means for you. Define what it means to treat, to cure. Um, you know, what was it? that encourage you to get into this field because it's more than I just want to help. Oftentimes it's, I want to somehow rewrite my own past, my own trauma. And again, that's shining this light of awareness onto uh, the clinician and inviting them to really explore uh, their own biases their own fears uh, and their own triggers
0: well and, and you said something else which is perfect because i was going to ask you about finding meaning in this work that can be really hard at times and and i love what you said that it it really allows them to define what it meant for them to enter into the field right whether you're a mental health professional a physician a nurse right? Like you really have to do a a deep dive,
1: right? It's, it's my belief is that if you don't do that, you will be almost forced to do that Mm -hmm. because you'll find yourself uh, kind of trying to fit a square block into a, a round hole, in a sense with interventions and techniques. And uh, there's no shortage of interventions and techniques, but when we're in the pre- when we're in the presence of someone, nurse, doctor, whatever, who is there with us and listening and being present, which means allowing your own stuff to kind of fall away and to to be witness to what's transpiring, to hear and to listen to the to person in front of you there's an authenticity that it, it blooms. Right. And, and that we, when we are talking to someone, we're in the presence of someone who's really being authentic. <clears throat> Excuse me. Up there. We're, we're We can't believe it. Mm-hmm. We're blown away.
0: <laughs>
1: you know, it's, it's, you, you, you're so attracted to it. And that to me is, <clears throat> Have something caught in my throat, is so, <coughs> so healing in and of itself. So, well, so
0: I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit, right? So what what you're saying and what I absolutely agree with is we have to show up. We have to provide some space. We might have to put other things on the back burner, but really you said it, it will almost, um, uh, force upon someone to figure out why they do the work that they do. So someone could think about this and say, okay, well, you know what, then I'm out. Um, If I just don't ask the questions that allude to trauma or what's happening, then, then the can of worms just will never get open. I'll continue to practice medicine and we'll go on about our business. What's the risk there?
1: Well, I mean, I think obviously the risk is that, um, You'll be able to provide a band aid, you know, and you're not the the opportunity to get to the core of what is going on uh, will be lost. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's kind of akin to you know when someone comes into your office and who's might be addicted to whatever uh, a particular substance, and you can help that person uh, maybe manage that substance as opposed to finding out why they're utilizing the substance in the first place. Yeah. Uh, so I think that that's kind of what's going to happen. And, and truth be told, a lot of therapists and a lot of clinicians work on that uh, assumption, you know, they and the other thing here too is people who have difficulties who have challenges will not open up to you they will Mm -hmm. sense that they that you're not gonna be able to handle what they what's really going on for them
0: mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. that's so important you know I, i had this um supervisor when i was a graduate student and she said um that being in a space with someone is like uh preparing for a picnic and if you throw out a blanket but then get out your best crystal and silver and stemware basically what you're saying to the person is I'm not ready for you, only on my terms. Right. And I love what you just said. They will sense that. Right. Um, that's that's really profound. Um, so when I listen to your podcast, um, I hear a common theme from you. You kind of alluded to it a little bit ago, and from your guests about sharing stories. Mm. Um, can you say more about this?
1: Well, yeah, I mean I think there there's something about a story that for for me that is very personal. Mm-hmm. And I think we learn about ourselves through stories, we learn about each other through stories and it invites us to be who we are if if we're really honest. I mean, for me this is this is what is is exciting to me about everything we're talking about? It's it's the the willing look. Everyone, you know, whether you're a therapist or you're a doctor, physician, whatever, you know, we all go to school, we all get the uh, education, but it's the ability for for that person to communicate themselves. I'm not saying you, again, have to have to share openly, but the ability for us to connect with each other through our own experiences, even glimmers and glimpses of those experiences creates a, uh, uh, an understanding that we're on this earth together. For, you know, look, inherent in everything we're talking about, is a dynamic right there's a therapist clinician dynamic and the patient's kind of down here and part of the work i believe is kind of leveling out Mm. that and this can often be done uh very unconsciously kind of behind the scenes and when it's effective it allows for that that relationship to happen and once that relationship happens uh that's kind of the foundation for healing, whatever you're talking about.
0: Oh my gosh. I, there's so much that you said that I love, right? Like it allows us to be who we are. It allows us to have a shared experience. What would you say to a young professional or even a seasoned professional who maybe hasn't, who's like, okay, I I, I, I kind of bought in now. I understand why it might be important to ask some of the tough questions and sit in this space. But like, I'm scared to, to, to put, put that out there to, to create this space? How would you respond to that?
1: Right. And I think, well, first of all, I think I would say good. I mean, that's kind (laughs) of a a, a healthy reaction. Look, there is, I think it's really easy for me, you know, when we're talking about trauma to kind of just whip it off Uh, again and especially when when i think we're talking about interpersonal trauma and and abuse it, it, to me there's nothing more horrendous and horrific and to be talking about it is really scary and i would say that that is a a, a good indication that you're you're feeling and there's nothing wrong with yeah. that but i w- would also say that to you know there, there are ways to learn to manage that and to deal with that and to work with that. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't always mean that you can't express some of that when you're talking to someone. Mm -hmm. I mean, I oftentimes, you know, when I'm interviewing someone and they're telling me this crazy stuff, you know, I'm like, damn, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. really? I mean, we are human beings. And again, right. We have to be mindful of how we're responding when we're doing it for whose interest, you know, int- uh, interest, this, this is, this is, um, but we, we can't be afraid to, to, to let our human beingness show. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know? And, and that fear I think is, is a good indication that you're feeling okay so what does that mean maybe that means you need to get more education maybe that need means you need to work on your own stuff yes That's a lot of things mm-hmm. but I, I would say that there's nothing wrong with that
0: mm-hmm. so i appreciate a lot of what you said right fear is good it may increase our awareness but mostly you're responding with humanity. And I just want to say, like, even as I heard your voice say, man, are you kidding me? When you hear another human being's pain or experience, what I want people to know is that might be the first time anybody has said to them, right. wow, really? Right. Tell me more. Right. Exactly. I, I can tolerate this. And, and I, I think there's, nothing more beautiful we can do for another
1: human being. I agree. You know, and oftentimes, um, especially when you're walking into a professional's office, oftentimes you're not expecting that. Mm-hmm. You're, expecting, you're expecting anything but that, yeah. you know, you might even be, be expecting not to be believed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But to, to be able to express, your self to be able to be vulnerable, you know? And again, I'm not saying abandon all your knowledge and stuff like that. I want to be, I could see people taking this the wrong way, but I'm saying there's a human beingness that happens when we allow our guard down just a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And it opens up uh, this, this communication channel, this feeling channel that to me is is vital. You know, one of my guests said, I was talking to them and I, I, I told her, because look, when I first got out of graduate school, believe me, I was not like this at all. I was anything but this. I was, I got my degree. I have all this knowledge. I want to share it. I want to utilize it. I want to help. I want to help. Right. And right. this guest said to me, how dare you think that is your job to take Mm -hmm. away someone else's pain? Wow. No, their story, they have their own story. They have their own healing journey that started long before they walked into your office. Yes. No. And that really opened my eyes Mm -hmm. to what it means to, be with someone and to sit Mm -hmm. with someone and to witness and Mm -hmm. how powerful that is.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. That feeling like I have a right to my story. Right. Yeah. Um, Other things you would want people to know in this field of medicine? That's enough. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Okay. I have four really quick rapid fire questions for you. Yeah. Um, What's one thing that you think people get wrong about therapists or mental health professionals?
1: Um, Wow. That's a tough one. Um, Well, one thing they get, they get wrong. I think that therapists, like, I think, you know, generally speaking, when someone is reaching out to a therapist, they might reach out to that person and it might not be a good fit. And -hmm. then that's it. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: All therapists are different. Yeah. You know, and I think that you, if you're looking for a therapist, there's a good fit for you out there. Don't stop until you, mm-hmm. you find it.
0: So good. Yeah. So if you're a patient listening, or if you're even a, a physician listening, who may be seeking out therapy, keep finding, keep looking until you find your best match. Definitely. Yeah. Cause it's Agreed. out there. Agreed. The
1: person is out there.
0: Um, you alluded to this maybe a minute ago, but I want to um, ask again, if you got to go back and tell a young guy, McPherson, Um, some professional advice, what would you tell them?
1: Yeah, this is a good one. And I would say um, honor who you are, trust that your own experiences, the the peaks and valleys of those, your own traumas, your own, um, you know, the different facets of yourself, trust that All of that is so vital Mm -hmm. in the healing process. You know, it's part of you as a therapist, as a clinician. It's not just your knowledge, Mm -hmm. which is so important, Mm -hmm. but, you know, all the different people out there who are listening to this, all the different therapists and clinicians, they... You know, the common denominator to a certain degree is the knowledge, mm-hmm. but what differentiates each of them is their ability to be themselves and to be oh. a human being, you know, and that's where the, the, the power in, in doing this work is. Oh my gosh. And I think a, a lot of times people, they don't value that. And right. I certainly did not Right. I didn't. What, what do you mean? I, I, I went to therapy. Mm-hmm. What do you mean I have? What do you mean that I have to work on myself? What about all this other still this knowledge? And all? I, that's what I need to jam into my head. What about all that? Yes, yeah. it is. But that's not necessarily what's going to be communicating and, and needed when you're working with someone.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you, you just said it, right? We all pass licenses and boards and all that kind of stuff that says, okay, you have the pre-required skill sets to practice. What differentiates you is that human beingness that you were talking okay. about. Um, okay, so on that note, that human beingness, will you share one thing about yourself that makes you a messy human
1: a messy human- <laughs> oh god well i guess you have to def- i'll define messy how i i will um a messy human being i mean <laughs> i get anxious a lot that's my messiness yeah. you know um there. Look, no, that's 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 a huge question. We go. That's another. That's another episode. I'll that's good. That.
0: That's good. People <laughs> asking you questions like that. Okay, last one. It's eleven o'clock at night, and you have a food craving. What oh, do you reach for? this
1: is a great one. Um, Ben and Jerry's New York Super Fudge Chunk.
0: Wow, that was <laughs> specific. <laughs> Um, okay. And then lastly, and and importantly to me, um, if people want to learn more from you, learn about how to work with you, um, where do they find, you know, what, what can they do? What, what ways do they do that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the easiest way is, uh, just my website, the trauma therapist project or the trauma therapist podcast.com. Awesome. Take you right there. Yep.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me. This is really wonderful.
1: You're welcome. This is great. Thank you so much.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, that's it, friends. Um, Anything that we mention on the podcast will be in the show notes. Nothing fancy, but I want to make sure that all the websites and links that guests refer to are included there for you. Um, The best thing you can do for yourself is go to my website, www.doctoramyllc, that's doctor spelled out, Amy LLC, and subscribe to my newsletter. It's free, it's for providers, and it's got tons of relatable information to help you transform your practice. And it comes out every week in a newsletter. Also, if you like what you're hearing on this podcast, I invite you to join us in the Provider Lounge. It's a learning collaborative to build resilience in primary care. It's a membership for physicians, physicians assistants and nurse practitioners to have access to all of my training materials regarding resilience building and creating those buffers of relational health. So it's a little bit content and it's a lot community. We meet monthly, sometimes more, and you can get continuing medical education all by getting doses of important information. And if we're honest, like a little touch of therapy. So part content, part community. It's really an incredible group of providers who work together in a learning collaborative and lean into conversations about trauma, building resilience and other tough questions that come up in primary care. Folks, this is the most important medicine. Please keep listening to people's stories. Let them transform you. And please keep sharing your own stories because your humanity will help to heal others. All right, we'll talk soon.